Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Baker Clinic Podcast. My name is Femi Cole, and I'll be your host for this episode. The fight to control the spread of the COVID-19 virus has many people feeling COVID fatigue. People are tired of the restrictions placed on their comings and goings and are quite frustrated. I'm joined today by Dr. Ashwani Bhatia, Chief Medical Officer with Baker Clinic, to discuss how people can overcome COVID fatigue and continue to do what's needed to help flatten the curve on COVID-19. Dr. Bhatia, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Femi, for having me on, on your podcast. So you're the Chief Medical Officer for Baker Clinic. That's an administrative leadership role. You also still work the medical floors and see COVID patients from time to time. Have you seen anything in your day-to-day that clearly illustrates the severity of this infectious disease? Well, sure, Femi. Uh, as you know, I'm an internist by training, and I do feel absolutely privileged to be a part of a dedicated team of doctors and nurses on the floors and and ICU are taking care of our patients, including the COVID-19 patients, and same for the other hospitals in our community. Um, I did work during the initial surge, and then subsequently, you know, now with with the current second surge that we that we are having, I do feel this time the difference is the volume of patients are much much higher. That has stressed our healthcare system to you know to the point that we have been struggling uh, in the last uh, few weeks. The severity of the disease, I don't feel, has changed, but I think we have more knowledge to manage this disease. We have more more PPNE as well as uh, testing capabilities and some therapeutic modalities to decrease the severity of this uh, illness. Most people who contract COVID-19 do recover, but I have seen myself that a lot of people die from this and suffer uh, some long-term consequences of this uh, disease as well. What are your concerns for the community as it relates to COVID-19? We know for sure we are getting a lot of um, national media attention at Green Bay. You have, you know, healthcare leaders on different channels in the media as well. And Round County has been uh, recently seen the largest numbers in the country with respect to the positivity rate, uh, which tells me that it has spread and it is like a super spreader event. And with the winter months coming, I do worry about our community because of the fact that our resources are are limited and the best option for us is to prevent the community spread so that we have less sick patients. Otherwise, we are already seeing a healthcare system which is stressed in the community. Um, it will overwhelm us and we might not be able to have the capacity to, in terms of physical space uh, and personal to take care of other sick patients who need hospitalization and surgeries. Usually this is a busy time for all, all our hospitals right. in the community. Right. Well, let's uh, shift gears just a little bit and, and talk about the transmission of COVID-19. How does it spread? We know that it's a viral disease. And the transmission is through close contact. Um, you know, um, as compared to the flu, the spread is similar, although there are different diseases. It can spread from person to person between people who are in close contact with one another within six feet. Um, both are sp- spread mainly by droplets uh, made when the people with illness who have COVID-19 cough, sneeze, or talk, and these droplets can land in their on their mouths or noses of people who are nearby or possibly be inhaled uh, into the lungs as well. 
it is also possible that a person get infected by physical uh, human contact or shaking hands or by touching a surface or an object that has virus on it, which can um, be there for a long time uh, and can be transmitted. And sometimes even by touching uh, his or own mouth, nose, or possibly their eyes. Sure. So we've definitely, I, th- I dare say everybody has heard or seen or read that um, COVID-19 is it's just a worse version of the flu. Let's let's talk a little bit about that. How how is COVID nineteen different from the flu? You know there are some key differences between flu and COVID nineteen. Um, uh, COVID nineteen seems to spread more easily. That means it is much more contagious. And let me tell you, which is kind of the same for both flu and and COVID, mm-hmm. it can spread before people even begin showing symptoms. Other than that, the COVID nineteen are thought. You know, although similar thought to spread in similar uh, fashion, but COVID-19 has been observed to have more super spreading events, which means that it can spread amongst people very quickly and to a lot of people in a short period of time. And and one of the most important differences that we do have a vaccine for flu and we don't right. uh, have for COVID-19. Right. That's why the best way to prevent this infection is to be avoid being exposed to the virus. We've been talking about flattening the curve at least since spring when when COVID kind of jumped on the national and global stage. Um, can you refresh refresh our memories? What does flattening the curve actually mean? Flattening the curve, actually, Femi, is a public health strategy uh, to slow down the spread of um, this virus during the pandemic. Um, the the curve being flattened is the epidemic curve, which is kind of a visual representation of the number of infected people needing health care over time. So during an epidemic, for example, if a healthcare system uh, is overwhelmed, it can break down when the number of people infected exceeds the capability of the healthcare system's ability to take care of them. Mm-hmm. That's what actually is happening in Brown County. We are stressed to the point that Sometimes the number of beds that we have in the hospital, we have more patients. And mind you, it is not only the COVID-19 patients, but there are other patients that uh, in the community, then they are, don't have access to health care. So flattening the curve means slowing the spread of the epidemic right, so that right. the peak number of people requiring care at that time is reduced enough so that the health care doesn't exceed its capacity. And the capacity could be physical capacity and the personal capacity. We have to remember our um, you know, our medical professionals also live in the same community right. uh, where the spread is happening. And I think it relies on mitigation techniques, uh, as we have talked about, social distancing, masking, avoiding congregations. Right. So, again, flattening the curve is kind of a term that for many of us, we started hearing in spring. Um, this is no longer spring. This is months later. Why is talk of flattening the curve still a topic of conversation? I think, Femi, because of the fact that we know this virus is coming in waves, we were able to control and flatten the curve during the spring months and during the summer months. Mm-hmm. People were able to be more outdoors. People could social distance you know, safely. People were still worried about the initial you know, shock of this pandemic spreading. So they were taking all the precautions. They were masking. Uh, schools were shut down, of course, and businesses were shut down. So we were able to flatten the curve initially. But as we know, it comes in waves. And now with the second wave, it is already affecting um, a lot of uh, people and spreading. 
So we might have to go back to the same principles, although we know things better about this virus and we can stop the spread by, you know, social distancing, masking without having to close down everything. Right. Um, We've talked in the past about COVID fatigue, just how people seem to be tired of the masking, tired of staying indoors, tired of not being able to move freely as they did prior to spring of 2020. How has the notion of COVID fatigue factored into the struggle to flatten the curve? I think it's a big part of it. I think a lot of people feel forced um, to do this, um, to basically live a restricted life. And it has affected many people. I see it in my you know, friends, even some of the healthcare professionals, they feel frustrated. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, you know, they felt that they did enough to return back to normalcy. But again, um, the nature of virus is such that it's it, it comes in waves, it spreads. Um, and as we try to get back to normalcy, we are kind of in the middle of the biggest surge in our community. And again, we have to go back. I understand the frustration in the community, but we have to be patient and we have to take the measures back so that we avoid a big shutdown. Right. So we have to go back to those measures that we, many of us adopted in the spring of 2020. Reiterate for our listeners those measures, those basic things that we can do to now help flatten the curve again. You know, those are the same measures that we have talked about and people are listening. Social distancing, avoiding congregations, uh, you know, not going to the bars where you have to remove the mask and masking as much as possible when not in contact with immediate family members, uh, washing and sanitizing your hands and basic hygiene. And it is much more important now that as we cannot spend too much time outdoors as uh, the winter months are coming. So do these actions truly help reduce the spread of COVID? I mean, will these tactics keep us safer amid this COVID-19 pandemic? I think based on the knowledge we have, we have no other choice but to prevent this this from spreading. And I can say that universal precautions to prevent a disease has been there for, for many, many years. We do it in the hospital. If somebody has contracted a disease which is, which is highly infectious, we wear a mask, we wear right. a protective equipment, right. and, 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 we, and we take care of those patients. We know for sure that this will help to prevent even other infectious diseases that spread through close contact. I request our listeners to seriously consider this. And I know a lot of people are doing that. I want to thank them for being socially responsible. So if we know that these are measures that are proven to help slow this thing down, what seems to be the problem? I mean, why is it seemingly difficult for some of us to do our part to help flatten the curve? I mean, it it, it again talks, talks about, you know, the COVID fatigue that, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about it. A um, lot of community members feel that they are healthy and they can defeat that virus or or they don't have other, you know, illnesses which uh, predisposes them to have a much greater level of sickness with this. But they have to understand that they could still transmit it to vulnerable people, right. elderly family members, people with other chronic illnesses like congestive heart failure, diabetes, other heart diseases, and especially patients with cancer or lowered immunity who are uh, undergoing treatment. And some of these members of the community can end up being very sick and can even die. We should educate our community members through various channels like these 
um, to make them understand that steps that they take today would affect uh, our community for years to come. So they play as big of a part as any other member in the community, although they might have less chances of getting a serious illness. We're going to stick with this theme for a sec. Um, how would you address naysayers who can't seem to be convinced that A, COVID-19 is as serious as the medical community says it is, and B, they just refuse to consistently take steps that we know will lead to flattening the curve on this virulent infection? You know, Femi, <clears throat> you know, um, I believe in science and um, I cannot, you know, force anybody to um, to believe anything, but all the evidence that we have gathered on this virus. Mm -hmm. And as a member of the community, I, I feel that the masking, social distancing is the only way that we know right now to prevent this virus till we get a vaccine. Right. I think we can convince people in the community by spreading this message as much as we can, making sure they understand that people do die. I've been on the front lines. Mm -hmm. People do get very sick. I've been taking care of these patients. And, and, you know, I always want to remind them that this country has stood up to challenges in the past like these and has come out victorious. And we know that this disease kills people and we have to deal, it, deal uh, with it very strategically. We might have to take a couple of steps back sometimes to make a leap. Right. I think this time everybody should be together in this. Well, what is Baycare Clinic doing to help reduce the spread of COVID-19, especially among its patients and employees? Well, Baycare Clinic had taken steps right even you know before it hit our community. We knew uh, things were happening uh, in the other parts of the world as well as New York. And we, 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 we had plans made, surge plans made uh, before even it hit our community. And we were much better prepared. I must uh, give credit to our quality departments and, and also members of our uh, operations team as well, who constantly are monitoring the situation, making sure we screening all our employees and patients that access our buildings, hospitals, clinics. Um, we have now a different process of checking in patients so they don't come in contact with any other patient. Right. We're sanitizing, cleaning methods, they are top-notch. Um, uh, again, we are limiting visitors to the clinics and hospitals, um, universal masking, avoiding congregations within the office. Mm -hmm. If we can make uh, some of the people work from home, we do that. Mm -hmm. um, social distancing as much as um, possible. We have made it easier for staff member staff uh, to report any exposure through a portal or email. Um, again, quality department is working 24/7 to ensure that uh, we are available to our staff and you know employees as well as our patients. Uh, I do send out a weekly newsletter um, uh, sent from my team to apprise everyone of what's happening in the community, what are the steps they can take, right. as, as well as, you know, uh, <clears throat> what we are seeing as well as uh, what is happening in our clinics. So does all that seem to be working? I mean, do you feel as though you have buy-in from patients and employees alike? Absolutely. Uh, these measures are tough on people as well as staff members, but I must comment our employees and our patients who have stood behind us, behind us, and give us gave us unconditional support and trust us that we are doing the right thing. We uh, have a very low incidence of transmission within our workplace. Mm -hmm. Again, you know this shows that it can be done if we have the support in the community as well. Because I guess we are the we are just like a microsma of the community.
So aside from promoting masking, social distancing, hand washing, and all the other recommended safety measures, what else can healthcare workers do to convince people to put more effort into flattening the curve? I feel the healthcare workers are already doing a lot. I know the leaders in the healthcare organizations have been um, you know, sending the message to the community through various members. I feel the healthcare workers should talk to uh, their family members, community members to make people understand that this is a real disease and they, we will have to take these measures until we have a, a vaccine. I want to challenge even our you know, community leaders to stand up and, 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 and come out and, and engage, our, um, engage our community. This is not um, about you know, what is right or wrong. We just know based on what the evidence we have that we will have to take these measures till we find, um, find a vaccine and a, and, and, a, and a definitive treatment to prevent this uh, from uh, spreading further. So talk of this virus, which has been going on for most of 2020, um, it's pretty heavy, uh, weighs heavily on the mind, weighs heavily physically. People can't just come and go as they please. There's just, it has altered the way we live our day to day. So is there, I mean, is this, is this just all doom and gloom or is there any light or good news on the horizon? I mean, right now, as we know, there is a lot of talk about, you know, what is happening in our community. Our hospitals are full. Um, we are battling this. Uh, we are medical professionals. I can uh, talk on behalf of all the medical professionals that they're doing their job. They're risking their lives to, to prevent, uh, prevent more deaths and more sickness in the community. But again, there is a breaking point. Right. We are definitely in the situation where we, we are stressed, uh, but we are trying to do our job. We just need a little bit of help from our community. I can, though, convince and uh, our, our listeners that, that this is not going to um, just go away. It's going to take an effort. But I, I believe in the, you know, in the American research, American scientists. We will come up with a COVID vaccine. We have to be just patient till we get that. And eventually, there is always going to be a situation where, uh, like always, America comes out on top and we will be able to handle it, not only for our country, but for the world. And, and, and you know, again, we need to make sure that, that, that every person in the community and in this country takes a, takes, makes the effort uh, and, and takes the time to, to make sure everybody is aware of this. And, and, and just do the right thing. Right. Uh, and we all know what we need to do. We, and, yeah. and I think um, this is the time when, when we need to just hunker down and, and get through, the, through this. Um, but I do believe that, you know, we'll, we'll get through this and we'll come out on top. You shared a lot with us today, and I appreciate that. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add in closing, maybe? I think I've spoken enough uh, today about this. Again, um, you know, I would request the community to help us flatten this curve. Um, I, I know we would be talking about, you know, the holidays coming up. Mm-hmm. We can, we can, we can, you know, share those holidays with our loved ones by by talking to them. Uh, through phone, online, seeing them on FaceTime, etc. Please avoid congregation um, where you don't have immediate family members. 
And I think, especially for our elderly family members, right. like your grandpa and grandma, right. this might be the greatest gift, Christmas gift that you give them by, by, by taking these measures. And I want to end this uh, with a quote by a you know, Nobel Prize winner philosopher, Albert Camus. In the depth of winter, I finally learned that there was in me an invincible summer. And I think I would, I would stop right there. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Bhatia. That was great information. Uh, Dr. Bhatia is the Chief Medical Officer with Baker Clinic. He is responsible for all medical aspects of the organization, including implementation and oversight of medical policies established by Baker Clinic's Board of Managers and Quality Committee. I thank you all for joining us, and we'll talk to you again soon. Take care.